My friends, welcome to the trifecta of joy. And I have a special guest here as part of our self-love summer series. And the guest today that I have is really super cool. She says that it's easier to go by Amy Yu because <laughs> Amy, how do you say your last name? It's Ausflucht. It's a tough one. <laughs> it's a tough one. So Amy Yu is joining us today. And Amy has written a book that is absolutely phenomenal. And this is really a part of loving yourself. And it's called Rethink Your Financial Health. And I will tell you that I have read it and there were things in it that were light bulbs. There were things in it that were little triggers for me. But more than anything, what I realized in this reading your book, Amy, is that we needed to share it with our audience. Right. Yeah. Right. Like it, it was like people need to hear that this is a part of self-love, that, yeah. that finances are not always simple. And, you know, as a flourishing life coach, I know that you're also a financial health advocate and a speaker, and of course, an author mm -hmm. and a workshop facilitator and a money coach extraordinaire. And that money coach extraordinaire is kind of one of those things where I'm like, we need to have you with our people talking about what that means. Now, the other thing that's really interesting is that you and I have a little bit of similarity in that we've both experienced becoming widowed yeah. and also the challenge that comes with figuring out your financial health after something like that. Yeah. So tell me, tell us a little bit about your story, Amy. Oh, gosh, my, my story is loaded, but um, I'll do my best to kind of summarize it a little bit. And my yeah, my story is very similar kind of yours, right? Being widowed really young, 32, three young kids, and then trying to navigate what it looks like after that, the aftermath of losing your loved one. And, and all of a sudden, I wasn't working. I was a stay-at-home mom. And so having the financial stress and the strain, because we didn't have a plan, we didn't have the right amount of insurance, all that you know, fun jazz that sometimes we like to put on the back burner, shouldn't be on the back burner. And so I, and through that journey of having to navigate that, I really came into myself and realized I wanted to help people through making sure they're properly protected. But then it, got, it went even further because I realized I had a lot of bad, bad habits with money because I was trying to numb my feelings and I was trying to hide everything and I was trying to fast track grief. Now, grief comes in many forms, whether it's someone's passing away, your health, you know, an illness, a separation, a divorce, what have you. We all actually experience grief. And when we look at our money, we can live out certain patterns and behaviors because of what we're grieving in our life. And so I did that. And not in healthy ways. And so me writing the book was really sharing kind of my manual of what not to do. So <laughs> here's my manual of what not to do with life, with your money, with, you know, starting over and what everything else looks like. Well, and it is, it's also, it's, it's that the thing about money is this, is that when we think about money, it's, you know, some people see it as something transactionary. 
But for a lot of us, there's a lot of relational stuff tied to it. There's a lot of emotional stuff tied to it. There's a lot of history tied to it. And oh my God, like I call it the cultural stew of, of, um, you know, what we grow up in and, and what is added to our cultural stew. So what we've learned from our parents, what we've learned from social media, what we've Mm -hmm. learned from you know, our friendships and community about money. And you really dive into some of that yeah. stuff. I do. Cause it's really, we have four filters on when we look at money and there's so much more to money than numbers. And what people are not talking about is that our emotions are in the driver's seat to every financial decision we make in life, our emotions. And so how do we unpack that is we have lenses of what we were told what we experienced, what we learned. And then from that, we formulate what we think is our truth. And that could be about our identity, our self-worth. It could be about money. It could be so much more than money, right? Because we have, we have needs for love and security and control. Could you not? We all kind of want to have that. And so we have to unpack all of these areas that we were, what we, what did we learn? What were we told about love, control, relationships, communication, money, all of these aspects, because we really live out our money as a reflection of all of that. And trauma comes in, whether we've got little T or big T trauma plays in our money, hands down every time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And for some people, that trauma can lead to incredible fear mm-hmm. and for others, it can lead to kind of a lackadaisical freedom, like whatever attitude, yeah. like some people put their head in the sand. Like yeah. it's, it's so interesting. And, and in, in your book, one of the things that I, that I, um that I wanted to talk to you about is specifically is like, the beliefs that we have around money and how that impacts not just the the dollars in our bank account, but also how we navigate our lives. Yeah, how we show up, how we show up even as parents in our work. It's all intertwined. It's not one without the other. Our Financial health is a really big impact on our mental health and wellness. And this is why I say it's financial health, because we need to address it just like we would address our physical health and our emotional health and, you know, our mental health. We need to have financial health as a component of that because it trickles into every other area of our lives without us realizing it. So then then here's a simple question for you, because, you know, if this is we're doing a series on self-love summer and if financial health is a piece of that. How do you define financial health? So financial health is heal. It's healing. It's healing the parts of us where we have wounds. Like I, you can call them paper cuts. You can call them wounds. You can call them trauma, whatever you want to call them. Our life experience us mold us to who we are now, just because it molds us doesn't mean it defines us. But so often we actually feel defined and we feel like we've got labels on us and we live out because of that. So when we look at, you know, self-care, we're working on becoming the better version of ourselves, but that's healing. And so finances is no different. We have to do financial healing, which is healing the broken parts of ourselves, the parts of us perhaps where, you know, we were told we weren't enough, or we believe that we weren't enough, or we believe that our identity was 
tied to our title at our job. Or perhaps we believe that, oh, well, I'm a, I'm a hockey mom. Well, that's, that's not who we are to our core. That's just a label that we hold on to. And so we really need to dismantle a lot of these things and heal. So beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> I think that a lot of people tie financial health to having a certain amount of money put away in the bank and, yes. you know, and zero credit card debt and, uh, you know, mortgage payments that are reasonable. And right now we're in a place where the cost of living is going up. Yeah. People yeah. are feeling some financial strain. Absolutely. And and, and realistically, and, re, you know, it really is about for people to try and figure out what their financial health is, it's, it is that space of moving into healing. It and is. So, and so for you to say that financial health is about that journey of healing, yeah, it's just so powerful, right? Because, yeah. you know, we sent each other our books, right? <laughs> we did. <laughs> Right. And so, and it was great because they match, which is really hilarious and kind of funny. <laughs> but in addition to that, I talk about awareness, befriending your inner critic and raising yeah. your head. And financial health is about really getting real about that awareness, right? It is. Yeah. And recognizing where your patterns and your behaviors lie. So, you know, Richard Swartz has this book called No Bad Parts, and I love it. And it does talk about how we have these protector parts. And if we were to look at some of our patterns and have that, when we have the courage to self-reflect, that's when change really does happen. And when we can look at how are we, how are we showing up with our patterns and our behaviors with money? What part am I, am I trying to like micromanage things? Am I trying to, you know, cause chaos? Am I trying to fast track things? Am I trying to numb things? Am I trying to avoid things? Like, am I trying, am I beating myself up with my inner critic? What parts are coming into play when it comes to money and understanding why they're coming into play really allows us to all of a sudden dismantle some of those lies that we're believing and really work through that resistance we face. Cause so many of us have resistance when it comes to money. Well, when we all have a unique money story, Yes. And, and the interesting thing about that unique money story is, is that a lot of us don't talk about our finances with our friends or our people or no. sometimes even our spouses. Right? Oh my gosh, people do not. <laughs> so, and the reason why we don't is because we don't know how to. We've really never been taught how to communicate about money with the people that are closest to us, whether that be our partners, our spouses, our kids or family members. And it's no different than having love languages. We have money languages that come into play along with our money story and then our trauma. And then it's just like this big whirlwind and we have so much shame and embarrassment and guilt, like mom guilt. That's a real thing. We have mom guilt and it's misplaced majority of the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's usually tied to the stories that we have picked up along the way that we haven't given the space to say to heal yeah to heal to say you know yeah. what like that that is that is a part of me that doesn't actually even serve me anymore right like exactly and to be able to say to be able to have that awareness and say that doesn't serve me and yeah. then to take proactive action forward yes. that is 
really about living that authentic life with that awareness and and having having reality is a better sense of control yeah with less stress and angst and you know fear yeah well and there's so fear is so real and and when fear, we think about it, we have fear, we have anxiety, we have all these things. And the reason why people avoid talking about money is because the minute we start to have that resistance and we have that, you know, gross feeling or our palms get sweaty or our stomach starts to turn, we know that if we step away from it and avoid it, we feel better. So this is why so many people stay stuck because they they know if they just avoid that or don't look at their bank account or don't address the issue with their spouse, whatever, and they back away from it, they're going to have that feelings going to subside. That doesn't mean it goes away because it doesn't. It just means we've suppressed it and we still have to deal with it later. So we really need to push through some of that resistance so we can get to the other side. And, you know, there's this there's this wonderful you know myth about a bull and a cow where they're both scared of storms. But the difference between the cow and the, or sorry, the cow and the bison, the cow will run away from it right? And to just keep running and running and running, it gets exhausted because it keeps running, the storm's chasing them, whereas the bison will head right into it, head on. And then next thing you know, it's in green pasture because it's on the other side of the storm. So yeah, is it scary? For sure. And that's no different than when we think about money. It is scary. It it brings up a lot of emotions, a lot of fear, shame, and guilt. And But the, if we keep running away from it, it doesn't help us. It doesn't serve us well. It actually hinders our financial future. Whereas if we take the time to be like, okay, I'm going to get uncomfortable now. I'm going to face this resistance. I'm going to have the right people helping me along the way to push through and work through it. Then all of a sudden you're going to be able to see a difference within your finances. Your bank account balance will be going up. Your future will be abundant because you're working through the things that are hindering you and holding you back. Right. Instead of but it's running, a journey instead, instead of, of running, running away from it. Right. Instead of running yeah. away from the storm, you're taking those one single yes forward. And I think yeah. that's that that's the piece that a lot of people feel overwhelmed by mm-hmm. is if they have money fear or if they have money avoidance. And I mean, and I'll, I'll be honest, like that, like, and I and I told you this. I when I got your book, I was like. Holy shit, this is triggering <laughs> all over the fucking place. <laughs> oh my God, I'm triggered here. Oh my God, I'm triggered there. I'm like, I was like, oh, oh, this is, there's right. a lot here. But what I love about it is, is that, that you share your own personal stories and your own personal foibles and your own, yeah. if you will, lessons along the way. Yeah. Because we, we don't talk about money and it is something that's real for all of us. Well, and it's relatable. Like I'm sharing stories about, you know, my experience, what I went through with money and fidelity, my experience of raising three teenagers. Like I make, I'm sharing all of those experiences of me using emotions and buying things to feel better for sure. And, and I think that's the beautiful thing of it. And was it scary to release the book? Oh my gosh. Like you have no idea how scared I was because I was like, here, I'm airing my dirty laundry for everybody to read it about how I've honestly like fucked up with money. (laughs) Right. And, and it's, and it's scary and it's hard, but somebody has to go first. We have to be, 
have the courage to share, show up and share. So then other people will be like, oh, oh my gosh, I do that too. Perfect. Now here is the tips and the tricks that I've used that have gotten me through, which is the emotional tapping technique. Working through fear and finances, right? I have somatic exercises that I do like at least three times a week because I actually get financial stress in my body and it it cripples me. It really does. And so I've had to work through some of somatic movement to release that financial stress, that financial strain, because it shows up in my low back. So I'm sharing with you these lessons that I've kind of learned through kind of going through the crap and then the tips and tricks that have worked for me to get to the other side of it. Well, and okay. So I have to go back to the low back thing because (laughs) this is, I mean, this is, I'm just wondering how many of our listeners are going to be able to resonate with this because I also do tapping. I also do tapping with clients. And the interesting thing is that when I feel financial stress, I also feel it in my low back. Now, what right. understanding of that when it relates to chakras and chakra energy, energy is that that's about that feeling of security, mm-hmm. right? It's about that safety and security feeling. Yeah. So it totally fits. And, yeah. and so like, I'm telling you, sister, like th- this is an... And this is what I love is that you're showing that you, you as the author of rethink your financial health, that there is so much more to money than numbers and that it is an ongoing journey. Yeah. But it's like, you just figure it out and then just let it like, no, let it go. Like, no. And I, and it's true because I have to sit with, if all of a sudden I feel my back pain again, I'm like, Oh no, it's coming back. Okay. What has me going, what's going on in my life right now where I really need to pay attention to what has happened. Am I, am I hiding my emotions again? Am I trying to fast track something? Am I, am I feeling, am I numbing? Am I how, what does my money situation look like? What does my relationship with other people look like right at the moment? Because all of those components do affect how we physically feel, but how we show up and our finances are honestly a result of it. Because when our emotions are in control, if we're not self-regulating ourselves, our emotions are in the driver's seat. So it's as simple as, you know, you just, you just held your chest and that's exactly what I have to do. I have to say, I'm okay. I am safe. I am loved. And when I do that, see, and it helps because it regulates us. Let's do it together. Okay. Hand over heart. Big breath in. Big breath out. And let's say it together. I am okay. I am okay. I am safe. I am safe. I am loved. I am loved. Yes. And you can feel it. You can, your voice will change, your body, like everything changes. And When we're faced with stress, whatever it is in our life, whether it's parenting, kids, work, money, if we just take a moment to do that, it helps us to regulate, which allows us to make a better decision. Whether that's if we're in the shopping mall and we're ready to buy something, if we regulate, we're going to be able to process things a whole lot better and put it into our money quadrants to figure out if we really do need it or if there's an emotion that's taking over and hijacking. Okay. So let's talk about money quadrants. Okay. So there's, my kids make fun of me all the time. And and so there's four quadrants. Do you need it? Which is a necessity. 
Do you love it? So if you love something, it is going to bring you or other people joy for over six months. Okay. Six months. Okay. Over six months. If it, if you like it. Yeah. So that's the thing and joy to you and others, right? right? If you like it, it's only going to kind of give you joy for less than six months. That's the light. The I want it is red flag, red flag. Typically there's an emotion driving that one and it's fleeting and it's, you know, instant gratification. And so we'll be in the grocery store and all of a sudden I'll be like, oh, peanut, peanut M&Ms or I'll grab stuff. and put them My daughter's like, where does that fit in your quadrants, mom? And I'm like, hmm. And then I have to, honestly, I have to hold my chest and be like, okay, breathe, Amy. <laughs> Because I'm like, well, do you want to stay alive? Because I need peanut M&Ms. So my sanity is okay. <laughs> but it, but it's true because the quadrants really work. When we actually regulate ourselves really quickly in a store, nobody has to know we're regulating, but we just take a deep breath, hold our chest. All of a sudden we ask ourselves, where does this fit in my quadrants? Do I need it? Do I like it? Do I love it? Do I want it? And is there emotion underneath this? And last, can I afford it? Because you can want it and love it and need it all you want. But if you can't afford it, don't buy it. Right. 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 But our emotions will take over if we're not regulated and convince us that we deserve that or in that we, you know, all of these other areas treat yourself. It's okay. Like, don't worry about that. We won't think about that. Like that's that money avoidance because we're not regulated. Right. And, and and a perfect example of it that I think that we see often is how we actually can spend money almost unknowingly by doing those little impulse things like, yeah. um, you know, like one of my, one of my big indulgences is Starbucks. I'll use that mm-hmm. as an example. Right. Yeah. But, you know, like skip the dishes and yeah. You know, and when we're tired and bored and mm-hmm. feeling overwhelmed, it's so easy to pick online up online shopping and yep. shop. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And men and women do this and kids are being taught to do this too, because kids, you not, kids are watching us. So they're learning these behaviors, these patterns from us. But if they, if we can show them that we're pausing if we can show them that we're thinking about the money quadrants, if we can show them, you know, that we're going to, you know, I'm not buying this because I want to be able to say yes to something later. And I always say to my kids, I'm like, are you giving your best? Yes. And sometimes we need to say, well, if I say yes to this, I might have to say no to something later. Do I want to say no to something later? That might be better for me. Or can I say no now? And then that gives me the freedom to perhaps say yes to something that's going to be better down the road there's a sacrifice. There's always a sacrifice when it comes to, to money. Right. And it really comes down to understanding your priorities. Yeah. Understanding your values. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and again, what I love about rethink your financial health is that it also really is about kind of uncovering the bullshit that has been holding you back so yeah. that you can actually step into that place of yes. feeling comfortable and confident and more in control and more aware mm-hmm. and then really truly enjoy your life because this is the yeah. other thing this is the other thing is that 
you know, we talk about energy suckers all of the time and, and, and money can be a huge energy sucker because rather than actioning on it, we're constantly thinking about it instead or worrying about it, perseverating on it. And it's like, what power does taking that one small action have in making that difference down the road? And I love, you know, you talk about your kids because that's the other piece of it is one of, one of my passions is about legacy and it's about creating legacy of self-love and the legacy of self-love is being able to say, you know what, like being transparent with your kids about how to manage finances and what financial challenges can come up and how you, like you said, make your choices in the quadrants. Right. And here's a great example. You know, I, when I was first asked about my first memory of money, I was like, well, this is a weird question. I was like, what? (laughs) And for me, it was when my mom and dad lost a lot of money when I was younger. And that one moment changed the whole trajectory of our lives. And so when I asked my, my daughter, she would have been 16 at the time. She's, she's now 19, but she was 16. and And I asked her, I'm like, baby girl, what is your first memory of money? Now, keep in mind that her dad passed away when she was nine. Right. So she is 16. She's sitting at my table. She goes, Oh, that's easy. It's when we lost everything when dad died. All of a sudden, I was like, Oh, that's, that's heavy. And, but then I started looking at her patterns with money. That kid would not spend any money on anything. She was, she was hoarding because she was waiting for her other shoe to drop. And so we really had to, I had to work with her about, okay, well, wait a second you know, you're, you're working, you're making great money and you're saving and saving and saving, which is wonderful, which is great because every mom wants their kid to be a saver. However, she was to the point where she was unhealthily having this habit with money because she was so scared that the other shoe would drop that she had to hoard, 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 and not even have a balance. And so, you know, she has learned now that, you know, she gets to spend some, she gets to save some, she's putting her money into her quadrants, she's putting them to the four uses, and and she's doing really well, but she had to unpack that lie that she was believing over and over and over again, that that other shoe was going to drop on her. So she could live out her money differently, and not in fear. So she could live it in abundance and, and not in scarcity. Right. But had we not, had I not asked her that one question, we wouldn't have been able to unpack all the things we unpacked. And and I wonder how many people have those conversations with their kids about it's not common, right? It isn't because we don't realize we have a money story. Right. Right. And so when I interviewed a whole bunch of men and women, I loved hearing the stories. Some of them are great. Some of them were sad. But everybody, the amount of a detail that they could give me about their first memory of money, like one gentleman knew the shoes, the color laces, like he knew everything about the shoes that he saved money for from his lemonade stand. He knew all of it, you know, and then one lady, she knew exactly what candy she bought at the candy store when her dad was like, the amount of detail is phenomenal because it's impression. It's a big impression on us. And we really do. It's an impression. It's right? an imprint and we live out our future as a result of everything we were told, what we learned, what we experienced, and we formulate our belief system from all of those things that happened throughout our life. Right. And it, it really is. And then that's where the inner critic comes over, takes Absolutely. over. Absolutely. critic says like, 
either, you know, I need to hoard everything or I need Mm -hmm. to spend everything or life is too short. So, you know, it doesn't matter or whatever that story is. Right. And, and it really is, it's that, it's that space of saying, okay, that, that is the story. And this is where I am now. And this is where I intend to go and how I intend to get there. Well, and and the book talks about the the five R's, right? When we get, when we feel like we're being triggered or activated, we need to ask ourselves, well, what is the emotion? Recognize the emotion that we're feeling, reflect about what's underneath that. What's, what is going on and where are we feeling in our body? Right. We need to rebuke the lie that we're believing because so often we believe a lie that isn't serving us well. Right. And so Katie Byron has those four questions you ask yourself, which is great. Then we need to reframe it to be our truth. And when we reframe it, it allows us to reposition ourselves to live out differently. Right. It's the reframing and the repositioning that is the living out differently. Right. Yes. And and here's the thing. So many people want to just stay stuck in the story. Mm-hmm. And so because well, it's easiest, it's that avoidant, right? It's we don't want right. that resistance or that yucky feeling. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, like I, I, I love that this is part of the self-love summer series because this is really about like, hey, like check in with yourself, ask yeah. yourself some of these questions, consider what your money story is yeah. and and how you spend your money now in the quadrants mm-hmm. and, and what, and what your relationship with money is now, how that relationship with money could impact the people around you. Right. That yes. is the element of it's, how, rip, it's what, a ripple effect. A ripple yeah. effect. What are you, what are you teaching others through the choices that you're making? Yes. And, and what can you model that is, healthy, not just for you, but also for your financial future health and those you love. But I think we, when we're doing it too, we need to remember that we're not doing this in judgment. None of this is, we are doing this with compassion and curiosity and leaning in with what's possible out of all of this. Because when we stay curious, it's actually the antidote to judgment. And it's very easy for those inner critics to start judging us and our past money decisions. Trust me, I've lived there for a long time, um, but we really need to be like, okay, you know what? It's a matter of fact. Okay. I did this. You're right. This is the current position I'm in probably because of some of my choices. Some of it's, you know, the environment I was in, there's a lot of contributing factors, but that is not who I am. So we hold that in one hand. And then we hold this curiosity and possibility what's possible if I can release some of these old stories that I hold that are not serving me well how can I live differently because of that and you know when I talk to my kids so brutally honestly and openly and I'm like oh my goodness your mom you know she just fell into the whole mom guilt thing and she bought you this or she feels like she has to you know do this with you because you know, that shame and that guilt and everybody else is doing this when all of those things come into play. And I can have that open communication with my kids and say, okay, shoot, I fell into it again. I'm sorry. That was wrong. We need to pivot. We need to change. And, and, you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing because we actually end up calling each other out on our shit. Sometimes, you know, my, my kids have permission to call me out when they see that I'm falling into old patterns and behaviors whether that be with money or emotions or whatever, it doesn't matter. They're allowed to call me out. 
and I'm allowed to call them out. So when we're out shopping or my daughter's on her phone and she's scrolling and I'm like, hmm, is there an emotion that's underneath your desire to all of a sudden purchase or to even scroll for that matter? And then she's like, oh crap, you're right. And then my oldest will call me and be like, hey mom, you know, you're falling into this pattern. I've noticed it. You're fast tracking everything again and you, your running is becoming intense and you need to slow it down. I'm like, oh crap, she's right. So when we give each other the permission to call each other out with respect, because we, we do this out of kindness, not niceness, kindness, because we want each other to do better in life. Right. And yeah. having that with your kids will change the whole relationship and it's honestly, it's a beautiful thing. And I would have never thought it would have built a bond between us like it has, but it, it's the bond we have is remarkable because of that. And my kids are all teenagers now. And I, yeah, we need to be that open with our kids or anybody that's around us, our family, our parents, whoever, because lead by example, we want to change the world. And the only way to change the world is to change ourselves and heal ourselves and live out differently so other people can follow suit. And live out differently so other people can follow suit. And I always say, it's like, it's that spreading the light. It starts with yeah. the spark. And then yeah. we have the opportunity from our own spark. Yes. Spread that light. Yes. And that is exactly, exactly yeah. what the trifecta of joy is about. It is about taking in everything happening around us and then creating the best version of ourselves now. Yeah that we yeah. can spread that love and spread that light yeah. and spread that confidence and spread that knowing. And a piece yeah. of that, Amy, without question, is about financial health. And yeah. so being able to have you here and to have you share so many beautiful elements of your personal story, but also how we talk about money and how we experience yeah. it is right? like, oh my God, right? Like I know yeah. that I know that our listeners are having light bulb moments because I'm also having a light bulb moment where I'm like, mm, I actually think there are some more conversations I need to have with my kids. Yeah. And, and, you know, and there are more conversations that I need to have with my spouse and, and that's okay because yes. life is about learning. That's yeah. how it works. Life is about learning. Um, so Amy, this has been absolutely incredible. I want to make sure that my listeners know the best place to find you. So where do people find you? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram, sharing the manual. LinkedIn, you can search me by my name, Amy, U-I-T-V-L-U-G-T. I also have a website, sharingthemanual.ca and a YouTube channel, Sharing the Manual as well, because I do believe that we are called to share our own stories with courage because they become manuals to other people. I was just going to ask that. I was going to say it is sharing the manual because, yeah. and, and it's the imperfect manual of life, right? Yes. Imperfect life coaching, perfectly imperfect life coaching. That's me. My URL is dot WTF, <laughs> right? It's turning the yeah. what the fox into what's this for? And yeah. having you here is another example of us understanding that money can be a giant what the F for us, but yeah. it can also be an opportunity for what is this for? Well, it's beautiful. And when we heal, 
we're going to see a huge difference in how we live out and what's important to us and how others around us live out as well. It's a weight that becomes lifted off of you when you financially have, you impact your financial health and your wellness and everything, physical, emotional, you know, relational, all areas are impacted when you take care of that inner core. So beautiful. So beautiful. Amy, this has been an amazing, amazing conversation. I'm so excited to share our audience with you and you with our audience, because honest to goodness, like this is a conversation that we needed to have friends as part of self-love summer, go out and get yourself Amy Yu's book, (laughs) rethink your financial health and just start to read it. Just start to take a look at some of the things that you can discover about yourself and realize and learn from Amy that it certainly is not a perfect journey, but no. that it is a possible journey and you're worth it. Yeah. And it's progress over perfection. Stay curious, lean in. You got this. You got this. You, you got, this. got this. Thank yeah. you so much for being here, Amy. I appreciate yes, you so much. And to all our listeners, make sure you head over to sharing the manual. And we'll talk to you all very soon. Have a beautiful day from my heart to yours. Thank you for being here. Please give us a like. Please give us a listen. And please share us with your friends. Have a gorgeous day. Thank you, Amy. Thanks so much. Bye.